Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left of Sanderson, the Orr! Orr from the Boston Bruins! 30 seconds left in the period, the Bruins are short-handed. Ray Bork. Everyone's fans got a little special uh, nugget here. Uh, Joe Chanelski from the blackandgoldhockey.com, our very own affiliated website of this Black and Gold Hockey podcast, is joining me today. My kind of a roundtable kind of thing we're doing with the fans. And uh, I encourage people that if I send out links, uh, please get involved. You want to get something off your chest about the Boston Bruins, about something they're going to do, what they're not going to do, how they're going to do during the season. Your voice is welcome here throughout the season. So, Joe, Welcome to number one. Welcome to the team. Uh, I, you've great asset so far, and uh, really looking forward to more um, more of your content. But more or less, I brought you on here to just to basically talk about whatever you want, whatever's like really hitting you in the uh, in in the wheelhouse right now. So, Joe, welcome. All right, uh, Mark. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate everything. Actually, appreciate you letting me join the team and uh, also to talk today. Um. Uh, a, a topic near and dear to my heart is uh, is uh, Danton Heinen. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you want to discuss that or not, but uh, and 
basically Danton Heinen or maybe what the uh, what the top six uh, is going to look like for uh, Boston in a few weeks. Um, I actually talked about Danton Heinen on uh, uh, Die by the Blade podcast, an SB Nation thing last night um, with uh, this, this guy, Anthony. I can't say his last name. God, I'm terrible with names. But um, he was asking me about my breakout uh, candidate for the season, and mine was Danton Heinen because I do believe that he's got some some tremendous um, offensive capabilities, but it's just where he's put. I think that he's, he's that, um, you know, that, that player that can play in so many different areas and you can plug and play him on the first, second, third line, even fourth line minutes if needed. But I just think that by moving him around like that, he doesn't have time to create any chemistry. So um, with Charlie, and I, I mentioned this on that podcast too, by the way. And, and, and I said that, um, you know, if we were talking about Danton Heinen's money and the involvement with Carlo and McAvoy, I wouldn't assign, I wouldn't have resigned Danton Heinen. I would have used all available funds to take care of that back end first and then worry about Danton Heinen's, the Brad Ritchie's, the Parlin Holmes, and so on. So your thoughts? Um, I think that the I think that the Heinen contract, I, I think I believe it was a fair deal where he slotted in i understand where you're where you're coming from with your opinion on that but um i think that sweeney probably knew that he'd be able to get heinen done and get him slot him into that uh the, the money area uh, a fair area where he thought he would and uh i i mean i agree with your assessment with him as a player i i think that he's a he's a chameleon uh, you can you can put him wherever you need to put him, and I, I actually think that that works against him to a certain extent. Uh, I think Jake DeBrusque, he, who he gets compared to a lot because they're similar age and and came into the you know the league around the same time. DeBrusque has basically been stapled to Krejci's hip since the first training camp he came up, yep. and I think that in large part has played to him putting up uh, better offensive numbers than Heinen did last year as a rookie. Uh, you know, Heinen, Heinen, they moved him all over the place and he put up better numbers than DeBrus did. And then last year, the roles kind of reversed a little bit. So I think his versatility hurts him. And um, I think he, for me, I look at the, the games when Pasternak was hurt last year, the uh, 16 games, and he had a goal and 12 assists in that period. and that's that that line was better defensively with him on it and equal offensively to when Pasternak was on that line. Um, I'd like to see him in that spot this year. And I'd like to see them drop Pasternak down to the second line with Krejci. I think, I think it's Krejci's it, to me, he gets a lot of grief and Krejci's amazing for what he has done with the talent he's got uh, over the last few years. I think if you gave him someone like Pasternak and let them play together, um, develop some chemistry. I think you could see really good things out of that line. And I think that as long as Marshawn and Bergeron are together and you have a smart wing with them, uh, I think that line's going to produce too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like the idea. Wait, wait, I like the angle that you're coming from um, with the line combos, but sometimes I want to see some changes too. Um, and, and I know I'm going to get killed for this and I have in the past, but, I would like to see Krejci jump up to the first and Bergeron to the second. I just think that the playmaking abilities of David Krejci are a little more better than Bergeron. Bergeron's more of a finisher to me. 
and 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 having him in between the likes of uh, a Heinen or a Senechin or uh, and DeBrusque or whoever works out in that combo. I mean, I'm not a big line comp, you know, prediction gut type of guy, but mm-hmm. I I just think that 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 would create another just dynamic line, more secondary scoring. I know it sounds crazy, but I mean, was that? No, you... it's not. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I think the last year you saw. Are you so? Would you be an advocate of putting uh, putting uh, Kretschy between Pasternak and Marshawn? Yeah. Okay. I mean, when they were when Bergeron was hurt last year, uh, Kretschy stepped into that role, and that line was great. Yep. So I don't think you're crazy to, to think that. I, I just think it would be. I guess it'd be a matter of trying to find the right partners for Bergeron. Um, to me, if you're talking about a guy like Heinen, he's he's got a decent shot, but he is pass first. Uh, you know, 100% pass first. I mean, I, I would be. I wouldn't be against trying DeBrusque and Heinen on Bergeron's wings. Um, I think that that would be like a real Swiss army knife line. I think they could have deploy him defensively. I think they'd be strong. Um, you've got DeBrusque that likes to go to the net. He's good down low. He's got a good shot, good hands. Heinen's a very cerebral player, good passer. Uh, and like I said, I think he fits in well with Bergeron and Bergeron. I think Bergeron too will, will kind of morph. Um, like you said, I think Bergeron, if you tell Bergeron to go out and you tell him I need 35 goals from you this year, uh, or, and, or if you say to him, I, I'm good with 20 goals, but I need you to be a defensive shutdown guy. I think he can do either, either one. So I think Marshawn has been so good with, with Bergeron that I think people are a little afraid to split that duo up. But I, I personally, I, I could care less what the line combinations are as long as uh, it's good for the team. Uh, I think, you know, people get locked into these modes where we've got to keep this guy with this guy. I'm all about whatever will work. If if you think, I mean, if you could drop DeBrusque down to the third line and put him with Coyle, I'd, I'd be all for that. Yeah, and, and, and Joe, just to touch on that, I'm, I'm all for that too, whatever works. But I'm also, whatever works, five on five. This, right. The scoring should not be demanded on how well the power play does now they were way they were way too dependent on the power play last year cost them cost them in in some big spots the power play percentage was really good it was probably you know i I i'm just i'm not i don't have all the numbers up here right now but i want to say it was in the top five yeah definitely and it was i I, well i want to say it was for stretches it was around 30 percent. i know during the year which is which is insane it is but the fact that you you know you're going to get uh droughts and they're going to go through slow periods of time when, when the power play is not working. So uh, the, the staple of the team when they've been good in the past has been five on five, has been their even strength play. And last year you saw a team that was okay even strength, um, but really relied on their special teams. And I guess that's fine. But as a, as a rule, those teams don't typically go very far. And, and the special teams, when you touched on that, the, the penalty kill – was okay. It wasn't great. Um, right. but the years past, before last year, it was it was up there and and, and right. like you know league top. So, I think the penalty kill was actually. I think one thing. I think the penalty kill was actually pretty good last year. But the problem with it was they gave up so many shorthanded goals. Yeah. That I think they led the league in shorthanded goals last year. I that think it was six. I want to say it was six. 
No, it was more than it was more than that. I want to say it was thirteen. I think it was it was it was great. Yeah, no, it was a crazy amount of shorthanded goals. So it kind of left every a bad taste in everybody's mouth about about the you know penalty kill. I, overall, I think from a percentage standpoint, they weren't horrible, but they just gave up so many shorthanded goals that it was crazy. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Marshawn, you know, would be out playing the point and. You know, they'd end up on a, the other team would end up with a two-on-one and bury it. And it just, it to me, besides just giving up the goal, it's so deflating for a team when you're on the power play to yeah. give up a goal. It's just like you know, just no matter how good your power play is, that to me, that's like it's a double whammy. It's like it gets you twice, you know. So and and having Marshan on the point, there's there goes your defensive liability right there. <laughs> I mean. Marshan is so good with the puck and everything, his puck possession. Right. But his two-way game, even though he's on a line with the best two-way player in our eyes, a little bias there. But, you know, he does have some uh, defensive liability. So I don't like seeing that on the point. I know I know that they try to make do the best and get the best players out there, but sometimes uh, decisions like that are – there's a fumble that's going to happen. There's, there's no situation that's going to be perfect out on the ice. Right. I mean, Marshawn's an excellent special team. He's an actual ex- excellent penalty killer, excuse me, but, uh, but he's a forward. Yeah. So, and you know, the positions, especially at the NHL level, those guys are so good that trying to drop, no matter how good your defensive forward is, if you try and drop him back and he's playing in a, at the point in a defensive situation, like an odd man rush, he's not going to do very well, you know, in a situation. I mean, you watched it in the game seven. Uh, Marshawn tried to come, come back. You know, he, he was back on the back check and that, that play, and then basically that was that was the game there. Yeah. Uh, so it's like you don't you don't want to put your players in positions to fail. You want to put them in positions to succeed. So having him, I don't like having him on the point on the power play. I just don't. I just think it's a waste of uh, his his natural abilities. So, uh, and and like as to your point too, you don't you just don't want to be that reliant on the power play. They, knowing that you need to go out there and score a power play goal or two every game is just uh, puts I think too much pressure on the on the unit to begin with. Absolutely, uh, Joe, you're a big prospects guy. I'm gathering from our interview process yep. when you came yep. to BlackandGoldHockey.com. So the uh, prospects challenge uh, starts today. Um, I don't believe the Bruins are on till tomorrow when they play. Uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, no, three, no, three thirty. Three thirty oh, today. Yeah. Oh, I'd say, well, I'm learning as I go. <laughs> I have to look. I'm already searching for streams. Uh, to yeah, yeah. If you find <laughs> one, hook me up, brother. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to the prospects challenge. I think last year I got to watch. Uh, I wish the Bruins would televise them, but last year I think I watched two of the three games. Uh, you know, on on uh, on, on some sort of stream, and, and the quality wasn't great, but it's it's great to see these guys, especially you know if you can't get out to see them in person, it's great to see them, um, you know, playing even if it's just video. And uh, the guy, I mean, the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year, I've seen a little bit of him. I saw him at two or three development camps, and I was really impressed, uh, what is uh, Oscar Steen. Uh, he's my dark horse guy. He's, he's, I think he's a lot of people's dark horse guy, so I can't really claim him. But um, I just look at what he did last year as a uh, 20-year-old in, uh, in the SHL. He was in the top 10 in scoring. I think he was the only guy under 26 that was in the top 10. Um, so yeah, the game, two, yeah, the two years awesome be- last season yeah. was just unreal. 
the two years before that, I think they really had him. He didn't get much in the way of minutes. I think he was a third, fourth line guy, and they had some veteran players. And last year they gave him, you know, gave him more minutes, gave him a chance, and he really uh, took hold of it and went. Um, I Honestly, as much as I like him, I think he's going to have to spend a year in Providence. I think it would be good for him get learning the North American game. Um, but I mean, I'd love to see him come and grab a spot out of camp. I just don't know how realistic, uh, you know, that is. I, I think you're looking at the guys like Sanitian and Frederick and some of the other players that have been in North America, they're more acclimated to the game. I think those are, those guys are probably going to be the guys that you'll see make the, make the jump if anybody does. Yeah. When you talk about Sanitian and, and Trent Frederick and so well, Frederick's got a little more term, but Sanitian's on his last year. So I, I <laughs> believe that those types of guys that are, uh, audition years, I call them, are going to get mm-hmm. heavy looks. Guys like Steen are probably are most likely going to be in Providence for that one year. Um, I'm, I'm a big Providence first guy. Get mm-hmm. the system. I know you know the system when you come into development camps and, and training camps and blah, 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 but you really do get a full sense of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis down in Providence with Jay Leach, Checkmanfield, and, and coaching staff. So, but my thing that I'm really excited about this prospect challenge and the uh, upcoming Providence Bruins season, and this is just pure speculation uh, on my part. I'm not saying, I'm not doubting, I'm not being the Debbie Downer of prospects. I know you guys all like the, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, the, the shiny new toy and, you know, he should be in the NHL as, as soon as he leaves the podium. But I'm really excited about the speed factor that's going to be added to the AHL Providence club. And that's highlighted by Oscar Steen and Pavel Shen, Jack Stanika, um, and um, Anders Bjork is a fast player. Trent Fredericks is a, is a rugged, rugged forward. And and new addition uh, to and signed a two-year deal is Samuel Asseline. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this Providence team, and if Sinishian comes back uh, from the uh, NHL back down to Providence, that addition on the speed factor, it's just going to, it's just gonna it's gonna put it over over the top for me and, and and a smile from ear to ear because I just love this shit. But um, it is gonna be a real pleasure to see all these guys. And like I said, I'm not sure where Steenik is gonna go. I'm a you know I'm like you on 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 Steen. I'd I'd like to see Steenik play a full season in Providence just like Jake DeBrus did, and then right. bring bring him up. I think roster availability up the middle is gonna be better in a year or two down the road for him to really slide right in and not be, you know, not have to like fight for a spot with a contract player already. Right. Um, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Any, trends. any friends with the, when the Bruins yeah. don't want to play, you know, high profile players, they, they, they're thinking about the paycheck first and not, not who's better. Right. I know. I absolutely agree with that. I, I mean, I love the, uh, people forget because it's such a uh, what have you done for me lately society we have now, unfortunately. But if you look at the, I mean, the great Red Wings teams, the Cup teams, uh, the Datsuk, Zetterberg, uh, you know, teams uh, of the early 2000s, and they, those they let their prospects percolate in the AHL. Grand Rapids, year in and year out, had unbelievable teams. And it was because they had these guys that were 24, 25 years old uh, prospects, you know, Detroit prospects that were playing down in Grand Rapids. And then when they brought them up, um, you know, they were ready to play NHL hockey. Um, I understand that with the three-year ELC and with the second contracts that are being handed out now that uh, people, uh, you know, that you, they want to see something from these guys quickly, but 
Um, it's not the end all be all. You know, if you have, it's not the end of the guy's career if you have a 23 year old or 24 year old that's in the AHL. Um, I mean, like case in point is uh, is Sanishin. I, I I'd like to see him this year in a third or fourth line role. Um, I think he's got the physical tools to do it. And as you pointed out, he's done the last year of his contract. I'd kind of like to see what he can do in the NHL this year. But personally, I'd rather see Sanishin than say uh, Brett Ritchie. You know who, who the you know the Bruins signed. Um, I, I'd much rather see him. Uh, in the you know in the NHL this year, um, than over a guy like Richie. You've seen you've seen Richie. Richie's been in the league for a few years. You've seen what he's done. I'd like to see what Sanishin can do. Um, so, as far as Providence goes, I'm I'm pretty excited about the the prospects they have uh, down there this year. It seems like it seems like we say that a lot, but I mean you're going to have um, you know you're going to have whoever on the on the back end, you're going to have whoever doesn't make the team, which is most likely if they get McAvoy and Carlo done, you're going to have Bakanainen and uh, Lazone and Saboro down there and uh, Cooper Zek. And then, uh, you know, up front, the guys that you mentioned already, it should be a pretty, I mean, it should be a pretty exciting team to watch. Um, you know, they have some guys like Paul Carey uh, for, you know, can provide some uh, leadership, you know, for them. And he's a good, good AHL player, but I, I'm excited to see what, what they can do this year. And and with the loss of um, of uh, Jordan Swartz, who was cowardly, and I will say that cowardly left the Boston Bruins organization on a very unpleasant term, in my opinion. Um, the gentleman was asked to be a black ace. That is a huge honor. But even though he he knew that he was not going to be a part of the Bruins organization further from that point, uh, asked to go home. So asked to go back to Ottawa. So I kind of. I don't know. I, I kind of feel that it wasn't fulfilled in my opinion, but I, I understand. I understand how, I mean, I understand. I think I understand how he felt. Uh, I think he probably felt that he maybe should have gotten a shot over some of the guys. Like maybe like he, maybe he felt like he should have been called up before a Coleman or someone like that, but it kind of, it is what it is at that point. And he, you're a professional. Yeah. So, and you would think that other organizations, when they're, when they're looking, uh, you know, at players like, you know, uh, like tweener, like I, I'm I, Schwartz is kind of an AHL, NHL tweener, a guy that's, you know, on the cusp, guy. Yep. They, they're going to look at, they're going to, you, you think they're going to look at that. They're going to look how the players react to being called up or not being called up. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you hate to say it, but I know he signed. I, I he signed with another team. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. But I think he went home to Ottawa. Is it? I I yeah, just so I think he's going to be playing in um in uh, Belleville. Right. I mean, but you 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 would think that the Senators would look at how he reacted to that and not really take very well to right. it. But you know, like, maybe Absolutely. not. I don't. Maybe not. I I mean, I I get I get it and so on. I know people make their own decisions. I just think that it was just you know. It, it is what it is. Like you, it, I have a contract to do and I'm going to fulfill that till the day it's over. So, and I'll do whatever it takes, but uh, regardless, you talked about Paul Carey. I think that he's next in line for the Providence Bruins captaincy. Um, and I think he well deserves it. Uh, his leadership down there. Um, Zach Senishin, like you, like you mentioned earlier, has, has praised him Swartz and other members of uh, the, the veteran staff down in, down in Providence that, you know, this is how he, basically got to be who he is and, and got him to the level that he got uh, two games last season. So uh, he, he's very high on 
on tutelage and so on and where it comes from and and you know always giving respect to the ones that are giving you advice so yeah i i think that there you know people have to know their you know these athletes have to know their roles and i know every one of them has the dream of playing in the nhl uh but at a certain point um and you see this with a lot of the veteran guys that are in the AHL, the guys like carrie that they kind of understand where where they are in their careers and and what their you know what their role is and they try and make the most out of it rather than kind of fight against it um you know i'm sure paul carey would love to be you know still playing in the nhl but i he strikes me as the kind of guy that it, he's realistic about where he is and he knows that hey maybe he'll get some nhl time but he's he probably will be best served you know in that leadership role down in the ahl and i think when a player can accept that i think it just makes him such a you know benefit to the organization um so that's that that's all there is about about paul i guess but <laughs> <laughs> all right wrap it up real quick joe and, yeah. and thank you so much for the time today i really appreciate it and and also this is great because um this is a uh we get the audio plus i get to test the audio for future <laughs> for future appearances and the auto quality is 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 good so good. i'm definitely going to have you back on but to wrap up this this um this fun fan kind of thing that's going on just you know, just getting the off season up, you know, it, it's starting, it's coming. It, I'm excited, but I want to hear your predictions on the Bruins really didn't do anything and they haven't done anything for the past couple of years, uh, bringing in uh, free agent signings uh, to better the roster. They've done the more plug and plays types of type of players. So how do you see this team panning out um, coming down to the ending uh, of the 2019, 20 campaign and uh in the playoff scenario i'm gonna uh i'm gonna pick them i'm gonna say they're gonna finish uh second in the east again nice. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a broken bay, right a broken record behind tampa bay <laughs> I, I just i don't i look i know the bruins haven't really improved but i don't and i know toronto fans are you know that they they think that they, they've improved but i i look at that defense yeah, so and awful. i don't it's still not very good, and they're going to rely on Anderson, uh, you know, a great deal. And they I still just sign Jake yet. Right. I, I, and I don't think they're going to. I think the, the rumor is that he's going to sign with Montreal. Ooh. So I think that I think that the Toronto is kind of I think Toronto is kind of where they were last year. I think the Bruins are kind of where they were last year. And so I think it's going to be a second, third uh, finish for the two of them. And unfortunately, uh, they're going to face each other again in the first round. Uh, I think. A lot is going to depend on uh, the one, maybe one or two young players like an, a Bjork uh, or someone stepping up or a Heinen stepping into the top six and uh, taking that role. And then uh, Don Sweeney seems to treat his first round picks like, you know, parts of his body. Uh, you know, he gives one up, it's like cutting an arm off. And I, I, he just doesn't do that. So I think he's going to do the same thing that he did last year. I think they're going to look for you know, he's going to try, they're going to try and get into the playoffs. And then at the trade deadline, I think they're going to look at, you know, they're going to have three quarters of the season to see what their, what the areas of need are. And if they, they're probably hoping they don't have to go out and add, but I think that's going to be like. They're going to have plenty of time to do it internally too. But if it comes down to the the 11th hour and you need to do something like they did with the Rick Nash back in the day. Right. But you you have to be there. You have, I mean, you have to be there so close if you're like out of it and and mathematically it doesn't look like you have a chance don't bother 
don't bother risking your future with a first round pick just to right. somebody on the rental. I think they really expected when they did that. I think the fact that Sweeney did give up a first round pick to the Rangers, I think they were really hoping that Nash was going to come in and be a big difference maker. Right. And who knows, he may have, he got, he ended up getting concussed by, uh, Injuries in the Tampa Bay, yeah, Bay game. But so, that, but for him to do that, I think they really thought that, that they had a shot. And I think um, they, he probably thinks they have a shot this year. You got you look at the next couple of years with Bergeron and Krejci and, uh, and Chara this year, and they've got to try and maximize that. But at the same time, you don't want to give up uh, too much of your future. Um, it's a really uh, fine line. Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Any, anytime. We're going to be doing this again because, like I said, it tested the quality of the audio and everything is good. So Great. No, I had, a, I had a great time. There's nothing better than talking hockey. Awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, yep. we'll be back with another guest sooner or later. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.